This is Iron Sports, 95.9, uh, We're honored to have John Cooper, a draft guru, and I love how we're going to bring a guru on after the draft. <laughs> so, John, thanks a lot for coming on and talking about what happened this weekend in Las Vegas. Well, it was, uh, it was quite an experience, I want to tell you. And I wasn't there. I was watching on TV at home like most people. <laughs> So, so John, you work for our lads, uh, uh, com, which is great, a great source in terms of uh, analyzing the draft and also going forward to look at depth charts. I, I use our lads to actually, when I go to a game, I print out the rosters. You have the most updated rosters with the numbers, which is the most important thing. But um, anyway, what? Let's go to quarterbacks first. What? I mean, I heard Malik Willis going six, Kenny Pickett going six to Carolina. Like, what happened with the quarterbacks all dropping? The Steelers got who they wanted. To pick it at 20 and then everyone else was in the third and fourth and fifth rounds you know that's really funny because we've gone back and forth on those quarterbacks so uh, you know for our opinion we, we started looking at these guys we didn't think there was a first round quarterback worth worth a grade <clears throat> but we also know that every year uh what happens is you know people say well it's not a great year for quarterbacks this guy's a mid first rounder he's a second rounder and there's a, a run on quarterbacks because people want them. And all of a sudden, five quarterbacks go in the first round, three or four in the, in the top ten. It happens. It seems to happen every year. This year, for some reason, it stayed true to what the original thought process was about these guys, uh, that this is a, a year of a lot of backups and developmental prospects in the quarterback class. And uh, so, yeah, we went and thought, okay, we could see in our mock draft Pittsburgh taking Malik Willis. Uh, we could see maybe three quarterbacks going in the first round because of the need. But uh, the way it happened, only one went in the first. Was pick. Uh, he was the only one that we thought was NFL-ready from the get-go uh, when we really started evaluating. And so it went according to the way we thought early on. Is there a player that dropped that you were really surprised about? Like, it, not just the first round drop, but any drops where you're like, I just can't believe it. And did you learn information later? Or just think that maybe people missed him? You know, someone who, who you guys have, because you watch a lot of tapes, you analyzed your former football coach yourself. Is there a player that, that dropped that you just say, couldn't believe that dropped so much? Well, yeah, for sure. And the one thing is that teams look at players differently. Their schemes, their uh, their philosophy. So we're looking at it generically. You know, we have to say, okay, this is what we would do if we were drafting for a, for a team, and uh, we have to kind of go with what we feel. But understand, there could be a lot of variance based on the type of offense and defense these teams are playing. And the other thing is, we have no access to the medical reports. For example, we were not aware of the situation with Nicobe Dean who we were very surprised dropped out of the first round, which maybe some other people knew before we did, was that uh, you know, the medical issue had to do with a pec muscle and whether or not surgery or not. And some teams were worried that they weren't going to have him on the field. You, know, they're, they're, they want, you want your first-round draft choice to be on the field, and I can understand that. So a lot of teams decided, no, we're not going to take that risk. And the Kobe Dean is going to be a good football player, whether it's this season or not, it remains to be seen. So um, that was the one that surprised us, not having the information. 
What team did you think had a, you know, we throw this term around, good drafts. I mean, I'm sure when the Steelers drafted five Hall of Famers back in the 70s, no one said, oh, they had the best draft. But, but on paper, I mean, people seem to like the Jets draft. But from your perspective, who had a, like, boy, this was, they really addressed their needs. They had a good draft. Well, let me qualify that by saying the draft is like fine wine. You don't know what you have till it ages for a while. <laughs> and so you know, there's been some great drafts that uh, were had, you know, got degrades from the pundits early on. So we like to hold off at least until the OTAs are before we, before we really evaluate or give any kind of an average, below-average grade. But as far as meeting needs are concerned and what looks like on paper, the Jets obviously with uh, three first-round picks and, and a really solid running back who we had as a uh, 33rd guy on our board who went, uh, you know, who went uh, to them in the early second round. So obviously New York, you know, just paper, you know, getting players like uh, Ahmad Gardner, Derek Wilson, and Jermaine Johnson in the first round, and Brees Hall, and then a good tight end and Jeremy Ruckert, who we think uh, is a somewhat of a sleeper. In the third round, uh, he did, you know, Ohio State's offense, he wasn't featured because of the other guys they had. And uh, we think he's a solid tight end. And it was, so, yeah, they're, they, they had a great draft. Baltimore had a good draft. So a lot of, you know, a lot of teams did very well. A lot of talent in this draft. Is there a team where you're like, well, I mean, again, when I think when the Patriots pick Cole Strange from Chattanooga, they're like, who's he? He should have been. But after that, but is there a team where you're like, what were they doing? I know the Cowboys have got a little criticized on their draft choice, and you know when you're when you're defending it so much and those things. But what is there any team that you felt just didn't hit it at the, this draft? Well, we we really hesitate to say a team didn't hit it. You know, there are some surprises there. You know, like I say, Dallas taking Tyler Smith. We had a second round, an early second round grade on Tyler Smith, an offensive tackle. So that's not a big reach by any stretch of the imagination. And they may have gotten first round talent with Sam Williams. A lot of people are concerned about off the field issues with him. Uh, and that has got some people scratching their heads. They thought maybe he'd go lower because of that. But supposedly they've checked him out and uh, they're confident he's going to play. But uh, other than that, you know, Jalen Tolbert's a solid wide receiver, and Jake Ferguson we think is a very good tight end. So, you know, other than those first two picks, you know, we don't think that that was a, you know, a crazy draft by any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know, it was a lot of football players in this draft, a lot of good players, you know, they're kind of backed up after the COVID year. And uh, so, you know, for a couple of years, with uh, the fifth year with some of these guys, sixth year in some cases, uh a lot of good football players uh, in this draft, but, more than we looked at in the past. And then I guess the you know I know this is a real. I'm going to ask you a really hard question because I like you know certainly for fantasy perspective and those things. But who would you think? Now it's not just not saying he's the best player, but the best fit. Which player do you think could be quote offensive rookie of the year from? Probably not the quarterback position this year, but the wide receivers, the running backs. Who do you look from the offensive side, and maybe even also the defense? We were seeing a Micah Parsons from last year come and become the defensive rookie of the year. Like who on the offense and defense do you think actually was drafted in the situation that's perfect for them to succeed next year? Well, you know, I'm a big fan of Drake London. Uh, he was our top wide receiver, wide receiver from the get go, and the, obviously the injury that he had. You know, dropped him down on some boards, and uh, and then after he had, a, you know, then moved him back up, you know, things of that nature. But Drake London to me is a tremendous football player. He's like a power forward playing football. He can go up and get off, 
radius. He can shield defenders from keeping him from getting the ball. He's going to frustrate some, some defensive backs and those 50-50 balls because they're not going to be 50-50 balls. They're going to be 75-25 <laughs> balls. He's going to get them. So that's a guy that we really like and think he's a unique player. He's not as fast as maybe some of the other receivers, but he doesn't need to be. Uh, he, he's going to make an awful lot of plays. He accelerates well, run after the catch, things of that nature. That's the guy that I would peg. I'm really anxious to see you know, what he does because we really think he's an excellent football player. What about on the defensive, uh, defensive side? Well, on defense, we've been very, very high on Derek Stingley from the get-go as well. Uh, and we never came off of Stingley or London, even though they both had injuries. And uh, he's a very unique talent as a corner and his ability to mirror and match route breaks. But you just don't see that very often. So, Stingley uh, a lot. The other guy is Aiden Hutchinson. You know, we're a big fan of, of his. Uh, you know, I know that um, Trayvon Walker went ahead of him. And I got to believe that Jacksonville was thinking long and hard about that. But uh, we think Hutchinson, with his motor and the, the things that he can do, you know, we think he's going to be uh, a, a Pro Bowl player for a long time. And uh, you know, we look we look at him as a guy that we think um, could be, you know, your maybe the best player in this draft. Yeah, it's interesting when you said Stingley because you're one of the few that said that. A lot of people felt that was a risk. He's the defensive back from LSU that went to Houston Texans, but people forget that Lovey Smith is now the coach, a defensive mind uh, with that team, and who's developed how many great secondary uh, players as he developed over the years. So maybe that is the perfect spot for him to uh, to become the superstar player. Well, you know, I mean, they're going to play a lot of cover two down there, so he's going to play on some hard corners, so he's going to have to be able to things of that nature, but a lot of teams forget that they matched that cover too with a lot of man free, you know, when he was in Chicago. And uh, that's a part of that scheme. So he's going to be a very good match corner. Um, And, you know, the injury is a factor. Can he stay healthy? That's the only question that I had about him is he had two years of 10 games that he played because of injury. But, uh, you know, if he can stay healthy, he's going to be phenomenal. On the other hand, I think Hutchinson will be healthy, and he's going to be—he's going to be a very, very good player. And talk just for a second about what happens now. We had seven rounds of draft choices uh, of players taken, um, but there are a lot of good players that weren't drafted. I just saw where Justin Ross, uh, the former Clemson wide receiving star who was pegged a couple years ago before injury to be a first-round pick, was just signed by Kansas City Chiefs. What's going on now? Like some players almost said, I don't want to be drafted in the seventh round. I want to you know, work around and use my agent to help a team and, and get the perfect situation for me. Well, no question. In fact, that's exactly what happens. When you get into that seventh round of that draft, the scouts start calling players that they had scouted that if they don't get drafted, we're, they're going to tell them, we're interested in signing you. And they've got a certain amount of bonus money they're allowed to give, so they're going to put some signing bonuses onto these guys that they wouldn't have necessarily got if they were draft choices. And uh, you, can, you, know, you can't go too far with uh, the bonuses. There's rules against that. But the one thing you can do is you can guarantee money. For example, the quarterback from uh, Nevada, uh, Strong, you know, he was, I read, got guaranteed contract from the Eagles, uh, which, you know, is kind of unique. Not the whole contract, but uh, so if he gets cut, he's going to have 300 and some thousand dollars guaranteed. So that's, uh, that's a pretty good incentive. So, yeah, there's a scramble. 
to get these guys. Uh, I've heard some crazy stories about about uh, teams, what they're doing to try to make sure they get the best free agent class. And this year, you know, in talking to people and looking at our boards, there was an awful lot of guys that went undrafted that uh, were had draftable grades. And on the other hand, there's a lot of guys that we had as free agent grades that got drafted. <laughs> you know, guys taking a chance on guys. So th- this is an interesting year because there was so much talent. It was it was one of the most difficult years to predict who was going to get drafted and who wasn't in that sixth and seventh round. And uh, because of the evenness of the talent and having so many good players available, and, and as you said, there's a you know <laughs> you know a guy like Ross going. We had a third round grade on. Understand injuries dropped him down. Uh, you know, signing as a free agent. But there, there's a, there's a lot of other ones like that too. Guys that were fifth. Fourth round, round grades, sixth round grades that um, ended up being free agents that uh, people were scrambling to get. Well, thanks again, John. I appreciate you for coming on Iron Sports. Thank you. Enjoyed it.